has happened. Uh, grab your Bibles tonight, and I want you to turn to the book of John, chapter number 4. John, chapter number 4. Uh, I appreciate my wife being with me. Uh, she, uh, she makes everything better. She reminds me on a constant basis that if I ever lose her, I lose everything. Anybody else got a wife like that? She reminds me a story about that mayor and his wife running to town while you're turning your Bible. I'll tell you something. They, the mayor and his wife just left a Christmas banquet, and they headed home, and they run through the town where they both grew up in. And uh, the mayor pulled up his back in the day when had that sir, when somebody come pump the gas for you. And uh, the man uh, pulled up in this real big luxurious car and everything, and they pulled up this gas station, and the, the mayor real quick realized the guy that was going to pump the gas, and it was her ex-boyfriend from back in the day. The mayor kind of nudged his wife. He said, honey, you see who that is pumping the gas? She said, yeah, I see who that is. He said, just think, honey, what would have happened if you'd have married him? She's over there, got a big fur coat on, got everything just nice, prim, and proper. She said, oh, honey, she said, I know exactly where I'd be. He said, where's that? She said, he'd be in the car and be the mayor, and you'd be out there pumping gas. And that's what Becky reminds me of on a constant basis. But I appreciate her being with me. Y'all stand to your feet in reverence for the Word of God tonight. Isn't it good to be saved? Part of the family of God. John chapter number 4. It's a very popular text. Many preacher at one time or another has preached out of this chapter. But I want to draw something out of it that I think is exclusive in the area of this meeting and what you've titled it and also uh, something a little different uh, what God gave me. But I want you to look with me in verse number 3, and we'll read just a few verses. But the Bible says, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Uh, one thing, one commentator that I read said that when Jesus went to Samaria, He was actually going the long way around from point A to point B of where He was eventually headed Aren't you glad that Jesus will go the long way around to reach a sinner? Uh, But He said that He must needs go through Samaria. Uh, Then cometh He to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with His journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, I'm going to preach a sermon right there one day. If thou knewest, if I'd have known what I was getting when I got Jesus, I'd have got it a whole long time ago. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Anybody know about living water in here this morning? Uh, the, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, 
But whosoever, boy, I like that word, whosoever. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Would you help me pray tonight? Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you, God, for time to pray. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you. Lord, for the opportunity, God, to stand before this many people, Lord, and open up the Word of God in such a great place. I thank You for this, dear Pastor. But, Lord, I stand in a place right now, Lord, where I cannot stand by myself. I pray, God, Lord, that You would give me the unction that the old-timers prayed for. I pray, God, Lord, that You would convict that one that's nearest hell, encourage that one that's discouraged in God. Would You do an eternal work inside this place Tonight, God, and may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, You may be seated. Inside this chapter here, we find a woman, and this woman comes to the well on this particular day, and she's looking to find a drink of water. She's looking to get to this well to satisfy an earthly thirst. But this day, as she comes to the well, Jesus is sitting on the well there waiting on this woman to get the well. I find it interesting to see how Jesus many times will position Himself between you and what you think you need so you can find out what you really need. And this day that Jesus is there at the well and this woman comes to the well, I don't have to get into it. She's a worldly woman. She's a sinful woman. She's a crazy woman. I mean, many problems inside of this woman's life. But aren't you glad that Jesus is not just interested in the blue chip stock and Jesus is not just interested Interested in little Sunday school girls and Sunday school boys, but God is interested on the streetwalker downtown. He's interested in the alcoholic in the bar. Don't y'all die on me. He's interested in the homosexual down in Gainesville. God's not like a Baptist. He has interest for all whoever will. He's looking for somebody that'll come to him for full pre-pardon of sin. But this day she comes to the well and Jesus is seated there on the well. And as she comes for the water, Jesus begins to preach to this woman. Wouldn't you have loved to have a Jesus DVD? I mean, wouldn't you have liked to prescribe to the Jesus tape of the month? I'm talking about the preacher of all preachers. Infinite knowledge. Infinite wisdom. With power behind what he's saying. And he began to preach to this woman. He began to tell her everything she ever did. He began to tell her how many husbands she'd had. He began to read her male and tell her and instantly this woman realized that there was something different about this man Jesus. He begins to talk to her about living water. He begins to talk to her about water that if she ever got a hold of the water that he's talking about, she would never thirst again. <laughs> oh boy, I know where I'm headed. Y'all don't yet, so that's why I'm so happy. Uh, uh, but in verse number 14, he said, But whosoever, don't miss this, drinketh of the water that I shall give him, or salvation is what he's talking about, shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be 
And here is the main word of the whole verse that changed everything to me. In shall be in. Two little letters. Two letters. Two wonderful letters that changes this verse entirely. It shall be in Him. The title of this meeting is All In. And here in John chapter 4, He had the idea before y'all did. said, It shall be in Him a well of water springing up into everlasting Life. I'm going to get happy. I'm going to go ahead and take this thing off. But, but in this thing, it, it tells us about the placement of the well. Though I, 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 I told you last night, I'm a redneck from the mountains. I don't know a whole lot. But I do know this, that everything God put inside the Bible is there on purpose. I don't believe there's one mistake. I, I believe it's the infallible Word of God. I'm not saying that to please the brethren. I'm not saying that to be a hobby horse to make you shout. I'm saying it because it's the truth. Everything that God meant to say is written inside of my King James Bible. And I think that it's interesting that we pay close attention to this little two-letter word. The word in. Because Jesus is saying that when you take a drink, of that everlasting water, that it shall be in Him a well of water that springs up into everlasting life. Now, I believe with all my heart that boy got saved last night. All he knows right now is he came down here and prayed a prayer, asked God to save him, and now he's not going to hell. But there's a whole lot more that happened than just that. You see, according to John chapter 4, when he bowed his head and asked God to forgive him and asked God to cleanse him, there was a surgical supernatural process that happened right here on the altar where according to John chapter 4, God placed a well inside of that young boy. There's a well living inside of every born again believer. We could go down to the hospital They could put you in a CAT scan or a radiologist could x-ray you and they will not find it. But that does not negate the fact that living inside of every born again believer, there is a well that is living down on the inside of your body. Oh, what a joy. What a thrill to know that on a bad day I can slip off the well. On a day when the brethren don't like me. I can live off the well. When I'm depressed and I'm thirsty, I can drink off the well. There's a well and He's the Holy Ghost and He's living inside of me today. You say, well, I don't know about that. I don't really like this kind of preaching. I don't understand why you've got to get so excited. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been riding down the road and heard old Peg McCamey Start kicking her shoes off and saying, The God on the mountain is still God in the valley. And before you knew it, that well that was placed in you on the day of salvation starts springing up. I'm talking about it. The best church I have is not in church. 
the best church I whoa, the best church I have is in that red truck riding down the road, listening to some gospel singing or some preaching. And before I know it, that well that God put in me starts spinning and stirring, and the Holy Ghost starts squeezing me, and it runs out my eyes, and the well begins to spring up into everlasting life. Y'all wonder what the preacher was doing when he jumped up here in the middle of the songs tonight. That's alright. That just means he's got a healthy well. That well just springing out of control. And when the well starts springing, you don't care who's around. You don't care what people think. Becky knows it'd get on me anywhere. I, we, we was with a bunch of friends watching that Chronicle of Narnia movie, that C.S. Lewis thing. A big old event one day we all was watching that thing. And it's all a type and a picture of Christ. And I knew it before I went in there. And I, I began to look at that and watch that on that TV. And we was looking at everything. And before I knew it, I started seeing Jesus come back from the dead as that line. And boy, them happy bubbles Brother Dean talks about started popping in my well. And before I knew it, Becky grabbed my arm and said, Not here. Because that well, it don't matter if you're at Walmart. It don't matter if you're at the ball game. It don't matter. Hey, if you got a healthy well, you won't just praise God in church. You'll praise God outside the church. God, this weekend, is looking for some youngins that'll take the well out of the house of God and take it to the schoolhouse and let that well spring up into everlasting life. Live on the heart. If you ever been saved, there's a well living inside of you. And if it is that that well springs up in everlasting life, and it's so powerful, and it's so strong, and it's so real, I mean, go go back with me. Remember when you got saved? I mean, be real. Remember when you got saved? I mean, remember that, remember that precious month right when you got saved? I mean, everything was brand new. The sky was bluer. The preaching was real. You'd come to church. It didn't matter if it was your favorite preacher. It didn't matter if it was your favorite song or your favorite singer. It wouldn't matter if it was your certain style. You'd enjoy. I mean, you'd sit back there. Hey! They'd start singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. And you didn't know nothing, but you wasn't going to hell no more. And you was happy about it. Boy, tears run down your eyes. As the power of God begin to flow, as the well begin to stir. My question is, if it is in you, and it used to spring, why ain't it springing no more? All in. Is it in you? That's a whole other question. But if it is in you, why ain't it stirring? Why ain't it springing like it used to? There's a big philosophy going across the land, and I, I haven't bought into it entirely. And I, old timers like J. Harold Smith and the statistics they would throw out about lost church members. And I do believe there are people sitting in church cloaked under a religious name tag that are lost and bound for hell. But you want to know what I think the majority of the problem is? I think people have come to an altar, I think they've got saved. I think the whale's been placed inside of them. I think they were happy and joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then they went in the full joyness of God and everything was wonderful. But somewhere along the line, 
They've allowed trash to get on that well and the well's not springing no more and therefore there's no evidence of that salvation. There's no joy. There's no power. There's no peace. There's no fruit. There's nothing going on. And they turn into bitter, angry Christians because it didn't work for them like they thought it worked for somebody else. And they're looking for God to do some kind of supernatural thing. But God didn't mess it up. They messed it up. God's got His hands crossed because He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And somewhere along the line. They've allowed trash to get on their well. And now there's no tears. There's no joy. There's no power. And now they're out at church. And they're miserable. And it's not because they're not saved. It's because they got trash on their well. And now that well's not springing no more. Let me go ahead and take the weight off of somebody that's dealing with this today. Everybody in this room has dealt with what I'm talking about at one time or another. It's a daily thing to make sure that you keep your garden untrashed, for lack of a better word. You've got to keep the trash off your well. The position of this well, the power of the well, and the pollution of the well. Me and Becky at first got married. And Doc Brown, he told us, he said, Son... He said, I'm going to tell you what I tell all of them. If you can get past that first year, everything will be wonderful. I said, man, I said, me and Becky's in love. We don't argue. We don't fight. I just do what she tells me to do, and everything's all right. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I did say some other things. But we, I mean, we, I remember, th- I remember thinking in my own heart, that may be for some people, but me and Becky, we just don't. We go, we love each other. Boy, she's so pretty. How could you be mad at something like that? I'm talking about, woo, hallelujah. And I, I was all excited. And he said, well, yeah, you just keep on, son. I hope that's how you feel in about a year. I see why. Never mind. But, but uh, I, I keep thinking that. What's love? Never mind. Uh, uh, but, Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to get the Lord get the demons out of my head. But several months later, six, seven months into this thing, we hadn't argued, we hadn't fussed, we hadn't nothing. Everything's wonderful. And one, one week, I was still working at the church, a preacher called me in his office. He said, son, I noticed Sunday that you was a little bit late for church. Preacher's old school. You ain't early, you're late to him. That's just what he is. And he's pretty intimidating. I said, well... And I, and I tried to talk. He said, no, I don't I want you to say nothing. He said, I just want you to fix it. He said, I know you've been late. He said, I don't pay you to be late. I pay you to be on time. I pay you to be early, get stuff done. He said, he said you need to put your big boy britches on, go to the house and get your wife under subjection, get her there on time and get things fixed in your house. <laughs> he said, I helped raise that girl. He said, I know what you're dealing with. He said, but you need to get things fixed. A <laughs> whole lot easier to preach it than it is to live it. And I remember I thought, you exactly right, man of God. Boy, I walked home with my big britches on. I thought I was going to fix everything. I walked through that house, but something, as soon as I saw her, my, my big boy just left. And I said, Becky, can we please talk? I mean, I turned into a sissy real quick. 
I, I said, could we please talk? She said, what is it, honey? What do you need? And boy, we was real congenial. Everything was wonderful. I said, well, the preacher called me in his office and he talked about us being late. She said, did you throw me under the bus? I said, no, I never said a word about you. I said, I told him we hit a dog on the way to church. and I, I, made a, I said, but, but we got to be on time this week or the read preacher is going to wear me up. Well, you've got to help me. How many of you men have said this? I don't care if you wake up at 4 a.m. or 10 a.m. Just be ready on time. Yeah, some of you men are sissies right now because you know you know that's the truth. But I told her, I said, you've got to be ready on time. And she said, I, she said, honey, you ain't got nothing to worry about. I'll be ready. I'll be on time. Just everything's fine. So the week goes by. Saturday night we're out to eat with her family. I said, honey, I just want to remind you, we need to get up in the morning, get everything ready so you can be on time for church so I don't get in trouble. Need to be ready. She said, oh, honey, I, she said, I already got everything picked out, laid out, and uh, everything's already ready. She said, I, we'll be on time in the morning. I said, that's, that's good, honey. Mm, I love you. I, everything's wonderful. So next morning, I got up early. I went to the shower. I got out of her way. I went to Krispy Kreme, got some of them Holy Ghost filled donuts. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I got some of them donuts. I got her, I got a cherry Coke. That's her favorite. Uh, we call it Jesus juice at the house. I mean, Coke and Pepsi. You're going to hell drink Pepsi. You got to drink Coke cold. But I, 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 I got her some Coca-Cola and we, I, I put a warm wash rag right by the bed and I, I, I give her a little shot. I said, honey, it's time to get out of bed. But Becky, she don't just wake up. That ain't how it happens. She, she has a process. She has a process. She, she'll open them eyes and she'll put a pillow under her back and she'll go back to sleep. She'll let it snooze for five minutes and she'll prop it up again. She'll go a little bit more. And finally, seven or eight pillows later, she finally sitting straight up and she'll finally just get out of bed. And uh, so finally, I, I'm doing everything. We've already talked about this. She's fine. Everything. We laugh about it now. But some of y'all look at me like you're in trouble. You're in trouble. We done, we done been through all this. They said you over something when you can talk about it. Uh, we'll let her talk next. She can tell something on me. But uh, we're, we're sitting in there. And finally, she, she gets up. She starts getting ready. She starts painting the barn, which I ain't got. That's fine. Wonderful. Hallelujah. And the boy, she starts doing that. But then the longest process before she started traveling with me, she was a, a hair fixer, whatever y'all call that. I'm a stylist, my bad, a cosmetologist. You know, sounds like somebody going to the moon or something. But uh, they, 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 cosmetologists, you know, all that stuff. And boy, she has to have every hair right. I mean, she, she's just like God. She got them hairs numbered. I mean, she knows exactly which one goes where. And boy, she, it amazes me. I mean, the power. I mean, she, she starts off with one and fine two cones. And she's like, do you think there was a motor attached to that on? Cause she, I'm talking about frizz and that stuff. And then she'll, she'll throw that hair back. I mean, it's perfect. And then God, <laughs> then God, God help me. She'll, she'll get them 15 cans of hairspray out. She, I'm talking about she got mirrors in every direction. She knows, I mean, she putting that hairspray all over. Don't lie to match in my house, honey. You'll blow it up. But I'm talking about every hair. I mean, it's just, I'm talking about laid flat. Everything's perfect. Everything's wonderful. And halfway through that 35-minute process of hairspraying, I looked down. I said, honey, uh, we we pushing time. we got to move. And she said, honey, don't push me. I said, yes, ma'am. And I started pacing. I said, Lord, you said you were very present help in time of trouble. I need you to help me get her ready on time. I'm going to get my hind end beat. Lord, please, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, please help me get out of this one. And boy, she, she started out. Boy, we, I, we was getting late. I said, honey, you got to go. We, we, it's almost time. We're going to be late. You got to go. And before I knew it, I said something. And she said something. 
And before I knew it, the first Townsend household argument had begun. And it was a good one. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, we was going at each other. I'm talking about horns come up out of that blonde hair. Blue eyes turned to red. And it was wide. It was on like Donkey Kong. I mean, we, we, was, I mean, we, we was going on. And we was wide open. I was saying things to her. She was saying things. And before I knew it, we was out of fellowship. Best way I know to say it. I finally got her. We got in the car and she, she slammed her car and I slammed my side. We were going down the road headed to church. She wasn't talking to me and I wasn't talking to her. Had my big boy britches on again and everything was going to be my way or the highway. But the funny thing about Baptist folk, we pulled up in that church. We got out of the car. She did her little twitch into the church like she's mad at me, wasn't going to talk to me, you know. Talk to the hand because the ears ain't listening. I mean, she did, she did doing everything, you know. I, and the funny thing about Baptist folk is she walked, we get out of the car, and as soon as those greeters at the front door, the horns go down, blue, red turns back to blue, and the mean and the angry and the demonic, both of us are not mad anymore, and it's hello, brother. Good to see you in the house of God today. Isn't it wonderful to see, boy, I'm glad y'all came to church. Hallelujah. It's good to see you. Amen, brother John. That's pretty purple tie. You got, and Becky's over here. Oh, girlfriend, look at that dress. That is the nicest dress I ever did see. Look, oh, girl, you, I mean, you look bad. Of a, I mean, we're, and we're putting it on inside there. we laughing and cutting up. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, good night. What is going on? But Becky, she's putting on the show. She's talking, laughing. All the girls, I'm over here uh, being the brethren like the brethren do. You know how we're taught to do it. I mean, everything's wonderful. And the whole time, God's in heaven looking, thinking, hypocrites. 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 You see, we now have trash on our well. Oh, yeah. God don't just care how you treat Him. He also cares how you treat those around you. That's why you can't get no joy when you come to church, right? As soon as you left arguing with your parents. See, y'all was laughing a second ago, and now y'all done got quiet on me. But you get trash on that well, and you can't come shout. You can't come enjoy God. Why? Have you, have you ever come to church and everybody else is enjoying Everybody's experiencing the power of God and you try to... And you can't because there's trash on the well. You ever been sitting in a pew and look around and boy, she's weeping and she's weeping and he's shouting and he's getting off and you look in the mirror in the middle and think, what's wrong with me? Got trash on your well. We walked in that church and I went up my side of the choir and Becky went up to her side of the choir we got up in our respective places and everything's fine. We're just ignoring it and thinking it's all past. And everything was good. We got there about a minute late, but they was doing opening song and everything's fine. And the preacher always says a little thing here and gets everybody fired up. And then he prays and then, the, then they sing another song. And we got there about that time. The preacher looked up there. He said, tell you what, CT, you and Becky, won't y'all come sing us a song? I'm supposed to sing with her now? Preach one of them. Just let me do a solo, man. It'd be a lot better. I promise. I mean, now, but now we're standing there and preachers praying now. And I'm standing there. My Adam's apple's about to die because I'm scared to death. What's about to happen? Because I know God can't use dirty. I've been in this long enough to know I'm fixing to make a fool out of myself right here in front of God and everybody. And then the Holy Ghost. Starts talking to me. You say talking audibly? No, he talks a whole lot louder than that. Yeah. 
Start speaking my heart. And I said, Lord, you saw everything. You, you didn't be talking to her. You saw it wasn't my fault. It was her. You need to talk to her. But the Lord started breaking my heart. Started convicting me. Showing me that God gave me that wife. And I ain't got no business treating her like that. God ever done that to you? Remind you something you did wrong. You thought you got away with. You thought everything was fine. And you thought you was right. But God just comes by and lets you know you wasn't right. Y'all get quiet on me. I'm used to this. But I'm standing there. And I start looking through that crowd. There's a little girl over here whose mama just found out she had cancer. They're broken hearted on that front row. And I have an opportunity to either try to help them or stand here in my own trashed up well and not affect anything. Look back here. I know there's a marriage back here in the middle about to fall apart and they've come to church looking for the last hope, wanting God to do something in the marriage. And we stand in a place now where I either got to decide to let God use us and get things fixed or do I stay like it is and be right but not be right. I start looking all through that crowd of people that God could use us to help. And I broke. God broke me into a million pieces. I'll never forget what I did. I grabbed Becky by the arm and I said, Honey, I just want you to know I'm sorry. I said, I shouldn't have said what I said. And I shouldn't have treated you like I treated you. I said, I love you outside of salvation. You're the best gift God ever gave me. I said, I want you to know I love you and I'm sorry. She said, I'm sorry, too. I should have been ready. I said, oh, boy. And before I knew it, we was having a little altar call right there while the preacher was praying. I mean, we started praying. I, we asked God to forgive us and clean things up. I'm talking about, and it was almost, I mean, if you've if you been saved and you've ever experienced something like this, it's almost like you can feel God pull that stuff off of you. It's almost like you can feel God pull that bitterness and that anger and that mouth. It's almost like you can feel God cleaning that well up. And, and before I knew I mean, she began to weep and cry. And we were crying, thanking God for a clean spirit. And I'll never forget, they started playing as soon as she got done preaching. Becky stood up there and started singing. And before I knew it, from the time she opened her her mouth, people begin to move and people begin to come on that altar. Becky had to sing the same song three or four times as the Holy Ghost of God began to use a clean vessel and begin to move all over that church. And boy, I sat back there as God began to break my heart. I don't ever want to be in a place where the well is trashed up because that will stop the power of God from moving. I'm telling you, what we need in this day is some people to get on an altar and stay on an altar until that well's clean and say, God, my family's going to hell and I've got to be clean so I can be conducive to the Holy Ghost of God flowing through my body. Is your well trashed up here tonight? Or are you clean? Is your spirit clean? Is your well clean? Let me ask you this. When's the last time that that well was springing. Teenager, when's the last time that well was springing out of control in your bedroom? When's the last time that you sat in a pew and that the power of God began to flow over your body and that the power of God and the wheels started stirring and the well started springing up into everlasting? When's the last time that happened? Tonight, God... It's set up in a thing, and there's something in you, and He wants to clean it up so it can be better used for His glory. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, 
but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What's your well like tonight? If we used to put an x-ray on the wall of your spiritual well, I wonder how clean your well would be. I got more on me than this, but I, I'm feeling a little something right now. There might be somebody here, and you, it's been a long time. You've been mad, you've been bitter, you've been angry, and you're thinking about quitting church because you just can't get into it like you used to. It's not God's fault. It's not the preacher's fault. It's the trash's fault that's on your well. And as soon as you get that trash off of your well and get back in submission with what God has for your life, everything's going to be fine again. Is that well cleaned up? There's an old woman. She lived in a little plantation that she grew up in. After her parents died, they passed it on to her. And uh, there was a well there that she drank out of even from the time she could remember as a, a baby girl. And they said that she hired a company to come in and dig that well and clean that well, clean the trash and the soot off the bottom. Said a day's work, a day and a half work, the man come knocked on the door and said, Ma'am, your well's clean. That little frail old woman, she said, No, it ain't clean yet. The man said, Ma'am, I've been doing this business for 20 years. That well's clean. She said, No, be back tomorrow Tomorrow, if you want to get paid. That well ain't clean yet. He come back and dug a hole another day. Said, ma'am, your well's clean. She said, no, the well's not clean yet. They come back, same thing happened three more days. They kept digging and kept digging and kept digging and kept digging. Finally, one day in the middle of the day, the woman come out. She said, all right, here's your money. The well's clean. The whole company, those group of men that was working that day, they, were, they, they, were, they couldn't believe it. They said, ma'am, they said, we've been doing this all these years. How did you know the well's clean now and it wasn't clean the other day? And she walked over there to that pile of rubble and she kicked an old pot. She said, one of the earliest memories I got of that well was being a little girl and I went inside and I was playing with Mama's pots. She said, and I had that old pot playing over that well and I dropped that pot in the well. She said, that, that's when that well had first got dug. She said, I knew when you got down to that pot and the pot got out of the bottom that the well would be clean because I knew the pot was at the bottom of the well. I may not know what's on your well. The preacher may not know what's on your well. But you know. Yeah. You know what you did. You know where you were. You know who you gossiped about. You know who you ran your mouth about. You know what you've got to go fix. And it's up to you. You can either live miserable or you can go and say, God, I want my well cleaned up. And confess that one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's as easy as that. God, here's my fault. Here's my failure. And watch God cleanse it from all unrighteousness. Brother Jared, I'm done. I want to tell you this and I'll quit. And then I'm going to go eat some at barbecue. I hope you got some left. Amen. There was a story that come back. Sing that. Give me a drink of that water. There was a story that come back to America after the, I think it was World War II. And uh, 
I think it was a, 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 a place called Austria, not Australia, but Austria. I think it's in Europe. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm very dumb when it comes to all that stuff. But uh, they said that there was a, a, a mountain town or a village in that area. And the whole town, the whole city, everything there operated off of the water that ran off of the mountain. And uh, they said that the water, all those streams would combine and at the bottom and the base of the mountain. All of those streams provide a powerful water source. They said at the bottom of that mountain, there was a big, huge crankshaft. And that water would run off of the mountain and it would power that crankshaft. And that crankshaft would, would supply all of the electricity and power that ran into that town. They said the further that water went down, it, it, they, had, they had dug out irrigation tunnels and it, it would filter out into the, the fields and that would uh, provide water for all of their produce and everything that was growing, all the corn and all those different things running in those areas. They said the water would go down. It, it emptied out in this big basin and a big lake out in the bottom. They said it was the most crystal clear mountain water that you'd ever been around. They said you could see your reflection in it. They, they said you could drink in it. You could swim in it. It was wonderful. The entire town ran and was operated by the water that ran off of that mountain. They said that one day it fell upon new administration. And they formed a big city council meeting and they all gathered together in this room and the big man behind the desk that was running the show at the time was trying to make some contemporary improvements so they could be like all the other places. And they were going down through the list trying to make some budget cuts to have the money to make all the improvements in that town that they wanted to. They went down the list and down the list and down the list. And when they came across a job title called the Keeper of the Springs. And they said that this Keeper of the Springs, they began to ask, does anybody know who that is? Does anybody, has anybody ever seen this keeper of the springs? Who is he? What does he do? Does anybody know this man? They looked at the amount of money he was making. And uh, there was one man in the back, the oldest man on the council. He said, when I was little, they hired him. And all he does is he goes from mountaintop to mountaintop to valley to mountaintop. And he keeps all of these little streams clear so that we'll have running water at the bottom of the mountain. They said in the fall, if leaves get all tore up and get dammed up in the water, said that he'll go up and clean up all those leaves so the water will keep running. In the winter, if ice forms in the water, he'll break up all the ice so the water can keep flowing in the coldest of months. In the spring and in the summer, if trees have fallen, he'll get trees out of the water. And if, if, if dead animals lay in the water, he'll keep the dead animals out of the water so that the water won't be polluted and so that all of our family and kids can have clean running water. He said, all I know to tell you, as long as he's been on staff, as long as he's worked for us, we've always had clean water. If I was going to fire anybody, I wouldn't fire him. They made this statement. They said, well, we've always had running water. Water's always ran off of that mountain. It can take care of itself. We don't need him. They gave him the money. said, when he comes off the mountain to get paid, give him his money. Let him know we don't need him anymore. And you know, the story said that it didn't make a difference in a week. And it didn't make a difference in a month. But they said several months after all that happened, at the first change of season, they said one of them men looked up at the mountain and began to watch that crankshaft. He said, you know, I, I don't think there's as much water running off of that mountain as there used to be. It was just a couple of days and that crank that had been running forever, now that crank is making half cranks and stopping making another crank and stopping. And there's not enough power running off of that mountain to power that crankshaft. 
That water that ran down in those fields, now there's not enough water to push its way in those fields. And all the crops are dying. The water that used to be crystal clear, now algae's growing up from the bottom. You can't even see yourself in the water. And now there's people that are getting sick because the water is polluted. And now they're, 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 they said there was mamas running into the clinics and into the doctors with their babies sick and dying. And they'd say, sir, my babies are dying. Please tell me what I need to do. And the doctors came up with this. They said, all we know to tell you is that water y'all's drinking is polluted. And it's going to kill all of us if we don't do something about it. So they stormed the city council and they all met and everybody realized they'd made the bad mistake. And that council member went back to that oldest gentleman. He said, sir, do you reckon that we could go find that keeper of the springs and ask him to forgive us? you reckon he'd go back to work and fix this problem? He said, we can ask so they forced the search committee, went all the way up that mountain and looking for that keep of the springs they'd never saw him. They didn't even know him. He stays off in the distance. They'd never seen him face to face. Finally, they got to the top of the mountain. There was an old cabin. They seen smoke coming out. And there that keep of the springs was sitting on his porch. And those men went and fell at his feet and said, Sir, my little boy's at the bottom of the hill. And he's dying because of that polluted water at the bottom of the hill. We're so sorry for firing you. Is there any way you could forgive us and go back to work? He said, I'd love to. He said, matter of fact, he said, I, I'll show you what the problem is. Took him over this stream over here in the corner. There was trees falling. He said, that tree's got all the water blocked up. He said, and I wanted to clean that up. He said, but that's your property. I couldn't touch it unless you asked me to. Sound like somebody else you know? He said, come over here, let me show you this other stream. And he went over here and there was dead animals and dead squirrels and dead deer laying in that stream. He said, that decay of those animals is running right down that water and into your baby's mouth. He said, I wanted to get them out. I wanted to clean it. He said, but that's your property. I can't clean it unless you ask me to. He started saying, come here, let me show you. And they said, no. They said, we believe you. They said, would you please go back to work and get us cleaned up again? He said, I'll have it cleaned up in no time. And instantly, that keep of the springs began to hop from mountain to mountain and stream to stream, pulling all that trash out of that water. And it wasn't no time that crank <laughs> began to crank again. And the power that had been missing came back on again. Y'all hearing me? That field that produced fresh and new crops that had been dying begin to turn green again. They said that water that had algae in it, the force of that water is killing all the algae. And they said before long, everything went back to normal. When I read that story, I couldn't help but think about America. You hear me? I couldn't help but think about America. The land of the free and the home of the brave. A land that was powered by the Holy Ghost of God. Them public schools tell you that Islam was founded for Muslims and all them people. That's not true. You hear me? That's not true. This nation was founded upon biblical Christian principles and everything about this nation, the, 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 the Washington Monument, everything that this nation was founded on has the Word of God written all over it because it was founded for God's people, for God's people to live free and to worship and the power of God flowed from the mountain of Calvary and everything. 
everything, the success and the power we've had has been because the hand of God was upon this nation. The power of God was upon the revivals, the great awakenings. The power of God was upon this nation. And somewhere along the line, they said, prayer, we don't need that no more. And they fired God out of the schools. They fired God out of the government. They fired God out of the churches. Oh yeah. They, they fired God. And you want to know what He did? He said, alright. If you want it, you can have it. And it didn't make a difference in a day. It didn't make a difference in a week. But my generation and your generation, all of our life, I've been hearing preachers say, the power ain't flowing like it used to flow. Y'all heard that? You heard preachers get up and talk about the old time way. And it's not a style of worship. It was a result of the way it used to be. And somewhere along the line, the power of God has stopped flowing. And it's not real. And it's not as powerful as it used to be. But that doesn't mean that God is weak. And it doesn't mean that God is anemic. And it doesn't mean that God is done with America. It does mean that God's people have to go back up the mountain and get in touch with the Holy Ghost and say, would you please forgive us? and come back to work. My family's dying. My family's going to hell. Would you please come back? Please get back involved with my family. I look at this next generation of youngins. I see this pretty little girl here and all these little kids. And imagine if our generation don't get serious about this thing and quit playing hobby horses and quit playing big preacher and little preacher and realize that America's going to hell, this next generation won't have enough power of God to get in. Hold that little boy in my arms, 15 months old. And I see a grave responsibility that even if the whole world goes away from God, I can't. Some of y'all might have your kids saved. That's wonderful. Mine ain't saved yet. And I've got to make sure that meetings like this stay around. I'm investing my life right now with young people. I'm investing my life. And preachers make fun of that. And they say, well, I, I, I wouldn't mess with that. But I'm investing in another generation because it could be this next generation. You could be the preacher that's preaching when my boy gets saved. You could be the girl singing that's singing when my, when my boy gets saved. Hear me. There's got to raise up another generation that is on fire and is in power and in touch. We've got to have another generation that knows what's right. But you can't have it and be dirty. You can't have the power of Almighty God and have that trash on your well. Preachers, you can't have that power of God and be running your mouth about other preachers all the time. You've got to have a clean well so that the power of God can flow off the mountain of Calvary into your life and into somebody else. Whosoever shall drink of this water, it shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let me make this statement. Merville could be flipped upside down if just this many people would get their well unclogged 
Use some spiritual Drano, if you will. And let that trash get destroyed and the power of God. Could you imagine what it would be like if everybody in this room got the trash off of their well tomorrow and everybody in this room was a free will of God and God began to move in free course and free will. I'm telling you, there's no telling what God might could do. I want you to think about that person that's lost and dying going to hell in your family right now. And I want to make a statement. If you don't get clean, if you don't get that trash off your well, will you be able to reach them? But if you do get that power off, imagine the power of God you could carry and witness on a whole new level. You got trash on your well? These altars are open. I'll be preachers, singers, teenagers. Come stay on this altar till you get things right. Don't just say no little practice prayer. Youth workers, deacons, Sunday school teachers, mamas, daddies, when we come get around this altar, go find the keeper of the springs, the Holy Ghost, and say, I'm sorry for firing you. I'm sorry for looking for things my way. Would you please come back to work? Help me get my well cleaned up again. If I was a mom and daddy, my kids was in the room, I'd grab them. Make it, ask that keeper of the springs to come down to my house and do a little cleaning. You say, I can't get to it now. I'll use that seat. Oh, America needs you, young person. America needs you, Mom. America needs you, Dad. We've got to get back and have a clean well. Sing. Turn that mic on, brother. I was warm.